Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count, with Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Listen in as the Spin team chats with Pastor Max Benford. They talk to Max about the heavy responsibility of balancing pastoral duties, personal needs, and important family time. At the end of the podcast, we'll tell you how to enter a drawing for an MP3 set from the Alliance. Well, today on Mortification of Spin, we're very fortunate in that the Puppet Master has flown us out to California, uh, where we heard that our good friend Daryl Hart is at this moment working out in Gold's Gym. Uh, in Venice Beach in California. So we were waiting outside Gold's Gym while Daryl is inside pumping some iron and getting himself nice and buff. And who should come out of the gym? But my old friend, student, one-time personal trainer, Max Benfer. PCA pastor from Westchester in Philadelphia. Max, this is a most surprising and fortuitous circumstance. Delighted to have bumped into you. And maybe while Daryl's uh, pushing iron and uh, working out on the ellipticals, we could interview you to, uh, to kill a bit of time while we're waiting. Yeah, sounds good. Well, Max, um, it's great to see you. I, I do want to say, um, I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, Max being uh, the personal trainer to both Carl and myself as well. Um, we owe our bodies uh, to Max. And so um, all I can say is, ladies, you're welcome. <laughs> I can um, see Max uh, reaching for his phone to call his lawyer. Actually, but, uh. um, Max, you're a pastor. Um, first of all, tell us, uh, tell us where you pastor. What's the name of your church? Well, first of all, my question to you is, why aren't you in there pumping iron? <laughs> well, I think once you reach... A fr- what are you laughing about, Amy Bird? <laughs> When you reach a certain level of physical perfection, yeah. where do you go? Why rub it in Why, at know, that point? We don't want to make the other funds. guys feel inferior. Exactly. So. I, I, it's to the point where I walk into a gym and everybody else walks out. <laughs> anyway, um, so Max, where are you from? <laughs> where do you, where do you, you're, you're a pastor. Um, I am. Yeah. I am. I'm originally from Maryland and uh, actually talking with Amy about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I went to Westminster Seminary and I had Carl as a professor and then... Um, I, and it was all downhill from there. It's been all downhill from there, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You That's, actually went from there to work with Mark Dever, which is a definite step that down. That was a <laughs> huge step, step down. down. <laughs> uh, my whole life has been a step down since being in your <laughs> church history classes. Sure. But uh, no, now I am pastor at Meadowcroft Presbyterian Church, which is in Westchester, yep. Pennsylvania, yep. about... 30 minutes. And Max, what's uh, what's the denomination to which you belong? The PCA. Yes, indeed. Proudly. The PCA, absolutely. So it's in Westchester. That's western suburbs of, uh, of Philadelphia. Yeah, about 30 minutes uh-huh. west. Yep, yep. And um, uh, you mentioned uh, you, you were an intern for a while with Mark Dever at uh, Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Great, great church, and I'm sure great experience. Um, what were, t- give me, give me two things that were really formative about your time as an intern at Capitol Hill that, that's helped you as a PCA pastor? I would say <clears throat> probably uh, the number one thing that I got from, from there was watching Mark and the rest of the guys on session, the rest of the elders, really uh, shepherd the congregation well. I think that um, we were talking earlier about their session meetings well they would call them 
elder meetings, but uh, just taken up primarily with praying for the mm-hmm. congregation. And these are guys that are, a lot of them, uh, pretty high up in the government. A lot of them are important people right. from a worldly standpoint. But when they get together at a session meeting, they are concerned first and foremost about taking care of the of the flock that, that Christ has um, put them in charge of. So that was number one. I would say the other thing um, was watching that congregation that is a thousand members, uh, but there's, su- there's such a culture of discipling there that goes on, and they really care for, for one another. And it, so it's, it's strange, I think, today. It's unusual to walk into a church that size and see that they act almost like a church of 50 people. Right. Um, and, I just, and I think that's, that's because of the, of the culture that they have there. Yeah. That was huge. Well, I was wondering, when did you really know that you were being called to be a preacher? Was it in early childhood, adolescence, college? Um, I had my first inkling that maybe I should go to seminary okay. when I was an undergrad. I was a history major, and uh, my history papers were... I was being told too opinionated. And I had my professor tell me, finally, he wrote at the bottom of one, the only people who can be this opinionated are pastors. (laughs) And so that was kind of the first probably inkling. And then uh, I actually had um, a few people, more than a few, tell me over the years that I have a good voice for radio or for, you know, preaching, that kind of thing. So I ended up um, deciding in undergrad to uh, switch my major or to add a, a major. I, I majored in Greek as well uh, to prepare for seminary. And that was really interesting because I had a secular Greek professor who, knowing that I wanted to perhaps go to seminary, um, instituted a one-credit Greek Bible reading class. Oh, and so all these non-Christians and I were reading the Bible uh, together. And so that was the start of it. And then I went to seminary actually thinking that I was going to go an academic route. Okay. And my wife didn't want me to be a pastor because she didn't want to be a pastor's wife. And, um, and I just had a lot of people uh, tell me that they thought I should go into pastoral ministry, that that's sort of where they thought my heart was. And, uh, and then I preached my first sermon ever. I didn't take any preaching classes at Westminster. I preached my first sermon ever in front of a church. I subbed for a guy. And uh, after I preached that sermon, my wife walked up to me and said, this is what you need to do for the rest of your life. Oh, so, wow. so that was kind of the journey, if yeah, you will. That's to, something to I always wonder life. about. And then, um, so you were already married. Um, maybe Todd and Carl have a different version of this, but when someone knows that they're, you know, going the pastoral route and they're dating, like, when do you drop that kind of news? Is that like something that you're afraid to tell someone you're dating? Like, I think you wait oh, until I, after I'm in a thousand, yeah. hundred thousand dollars debt. Or, yeah, you seal the deal first. Or get, like get saying, married I've been married five times yeah. before. Yeah, tell them you're going into finance. You know, <laughs> <laughs> wait until you got them locked in. Then yeah, tell mortgage bet, junk bonds, like and then you say you're going to be a pastor. Right. <laughs> I remember the first time I met Michelle, your wife. She probably doesn't remember this, but she was a waitress 
at a local restaurant, heavily pregnant, I remember. You, you forced her to go out to work right <laughs> up until the moment she gave birth. Uh, but I was actually sitting in this restaurant with a Led Zeppelin T-shirt on. And I said grace with my wife when dinner arrived, and she came up to me and said, are you Professor Truman from Westminster <laughs> Seminary, <laughs> having seen the Led Zeppelin T-shirts? Absolutely. Soft spot in my, in my heart for, for Michelle. Does Michelle consider herself a pastor's wife? I know if you ask my wife, what's it like being a pastor's wife, she'll turn around and say, I don't consider myself a pastor's wife. She doesn't talk about it um, or advertise it. I think that she, in hindsight, not knowing that I was going to be a pastor and she not knowing that I was going to be when we started dating. Uh, now that I am one, I can't imagine God giving me a better wife for a pastor's wife because she is incredibly hospitable. Um, always. We have people over to our house all the time. She's making lunches for people. She's just incredibly godly, um, prays much better than I do. And is very quick to encourage me when I'm down and encourage me to go to the Lord with in prayer and, and things like it. Just a great support. So I wouldn't say that she labels herself a pastor's wife, but she takes that role seriously, I think. Kind of continuing on that theme with, with relationship with your wife, every church, no matter how healthy it is, and I've got friends that, that attend your church who, who love uh, being at Meadowcroft. But no matter how great the church is, there's always conflicts, there's always problems, because we're all a group of saved sinners uh, doing life together. So um, what, what, do you have a rule of thumb? What's your typical practice for how you share things or don't share things with your wife? Are you one of these pastors that's able to, to share everything um, and, and your wife can kind of roll with that well? Or are there things that you say, you know what, that, that presents too much of a burden for her right now. I don't want her to know that this person hurt me this way or said that. What, how do you typically approach communication like I think that? typically I tell Michelle pretty much everything going on in my mind. Uh, and that's mainly because I, she's wise and I want to bounce things off of her and actually get her godly opinion on something. Because a lot of times she gives me wisdom that I didn't have. And so I think right. my reaction is better. Yeah. But I tend to try to discern oftentimes especially coming back from like a session meeting. Uh, those are the things that I typically won't share with her except on the most surface level. You know, I, I won't give her the details of something that we're dealing with, uh, but I may ask her opinion uh, in general on, on a particular thing. But yeah, typically for me, I don't, I don't hold much in with her. I, I share with her because I need that. Right, right. It makes me think of... Um Throughout my, my typical week, it's pretty crazy. It's a mom of three kids. And then sometimes I, I travel on the weekends to do speaking engagements. And I might fly in Saturday night. And at that point, I'm just really hungry to come sit under the preach word. And I fly home just thinking how um, thankful I am um, to have a pastor who is faithful to the word. And it made me think lately about how pastors don't have pastors. <laughs> And how, how do you deal with that? Because I have a pastor who I know shepherds me and my family, my husband, my children, and 
I know that every Sunday I get to come be fed by a sermon that's been you know well prepared and um, set for us and you are the one that's on all the time and you then have to deliver that sermon on the Sabbath and what do you do is it your elders that help you in this situation or how do you deal with not having a pastor and, and being everyone's pastor well, the, I do have a great group of elders, and they are very supportive of me. They, um, I had I had one elder sit me down. Well, he didn't sit me down, but I, we had we had just finished praying for the congregation, and after we were finished, and the other guys had left, he stayed behind and said, "Hey, have you planned a vacation yet?" And I said, "No, we haven't actually." And he said, "Well, look, we worked that into your deal here for a reason. We don't want you to get burned out." Why don't you sit down with Michelle, plan a two-week vacation, we'll take care of everything, just go. That was a great support for me. I think as far as having, being preached to, that's been something that I'm still working on, to be honest with you, because I I take off on Mondays, Mm -hmm. and I'm usually pretty exhausted, but I've got five kids, so when I'm I'm in the house on Monday and they're running around and they want to play and they want to do this and do that. Michelle and I try to find a quiet half an hour where we can listen to a a sermon online, Mm -hmm. but I can't always do that. Mm -hmm. A lot of times Mondays go by and I really didn't have that much of a break. So I'm still kind of working through that to be honest with you. But I think Mm -hmm. I listen to a lot of sermons throughout the week in my car or I listen to Mortification of Spin or I listen to different, yeah. So that's another way where I get fed as I'm driving or as I'm going to meetings, things like that. I'm sure preparing the sermon ministers to you so much throughout the week. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just so thankful to be able to sit under the preached word that it, it occurred to me that, oh my goodness, my pastor doesn't get to do that. And that just really blew my mind. <laughs> Yeah, that's nice that you're thinking of him. Yeah, yeah. I should add as well, Max and myself, we have lunch pretty regularly. Uh, call ourselves, well, we call ourselves the Three Musketeers. Originally, it was myself, Todd Pruitt, and Matt Newsy, and then Todd and Matt got better paying gigs elsewhere <laughs> and cleared off out the area. Saner so, uh, gigs. Now, one of my elders, uh, Charles and Max and myself, meet for, for lunch every month or two, and that is a very good time. I think it's good to meet with people from outside your immediate mm-hmm. church and even outside your denomination so that you can you can gripe about what's going on with somebody who isn't involved and somebody who has mm-hmm. some perspective on it. So I've certainly found that very, my own friendship with Max has been very helpful for me from that perspective. Yeah, Carl, that, that's been very beneficial to me and I I wish we could get together more often, but we're both so busy. But that that is a huge benefit yeah ministerial informal ministerial fraternals yeah. i think are very yeah very i helpful. find max i find that that i've been very beneficial for carl um he's <laughs> he seems to have grown a lot since knowing me but i did i i one, one question i wanted to go down the road with you just a little bit was uh, first of all how long have you been at meadowcroft i've been there a little over a year and a half now okay so um as you look at your first year and a half or so what would you consider and, and I and I ask this because I'm thinking about other guys who are getting ready to start at a church for the first time. They're new at their church. What would you consider to be, by God's grace, I'm really glad I did this in, in my first year and a half. Here's the thing or the couple of things. I'm, I'm really grateful, by God's grace, that I did these things because they've had a good 
they've had a good ministry payoff, so to speak. This blessed the church. Um, you know, I, th- I think you can, you know, deal with that without feel like you're bragging on yourself. I mean, seriously, by God's grace, this this was the right choice to make early on. What comes to mind? Well, I have to give credit to you guys mentioned that I did uh, internship at Capitol Hill Baptist, yeah. and I have to give credit to Mark Dever because he really emphasized to me. And here's a guy who is a huge celebrity in a sense. Sure. He doesn't want to be, but he is. And uh, he's got a, a really well-known church. He writes books. And when I was leaving to to uh, come to Meadowcroft, he, I asked him for his advice. And instead of giving me a book that he had written or uh, giving me 10 steps to success or whatever, he told me, just faithfully preach the word. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what you need to focus on. Just go and make sure that you put the time in to preach the word every week. And um, I think he, he says something like, you know, don't overestimate what you can do in a year, or probably better said what the Lord can do in a year, and don't underestimate what the Lord can do in 10 years. Right. And so I think really that has been a huge help to me to just – trust in the work that the Lord is going to do through his word being preached and just watch the Holy Spirit work yeah. and and not worry. I mean, I I've the church has grown. In fact, we we had a, an elders meeting it's, the church has grown by 50% membership mm-hmm. since I've gotten here. But but really it's it's all the Lord's doing. I I I I'm I'm just trying to be faithful in what God calls me to do in His Word, yeah. and uh, and just leave leave it to Him right. to right. to bring people. So, yeah. so you're a part of our ordinary pastor series that we want to do, interviewing um, regular pastors that people might not have heard of. But I wouldn't say that. Max, you're an ordinary pastor. There's a few troubling things. There's some there? troubling things on your resume. Like when you yeah. were um, called for this position and being interviewed for this call, did they ask you if you've ever been arrested before? Yeah. Maybe for That's, terrorism right, right. or something on, like on, that? Yeah, yeah, just being a suspect you know, in a, in a <laughs> terrorist plot. plot. I wonder if that ever happened. Holding a gun. <laughs> Be truthful now. Coming out of the water. Yeah. You, uh, they, um, they, they have you ever starred in a movie? You know, <laughs> questions like that. Are those the questions they ask? Yeah. They, fortunately, they didn't ask me those questions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure I would have gotten the gig if they. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would just be. You, you know, it would be interesting. Tell us a little bit about that. If, um, I, I just think it would have been interesting had the committee said, "Were you ever a suspected terrorist? Have you been arrested for that? Have you ever been a model? Yeah. Those kinds yeah. of things." What I kind think of would have been interesting. Did you model? Did, right, right. I right. mean, did you submit your um, little movie clip that you played a part in for your friend's film? No, I didn't. As part of your resume? Can, can we link it from the website? <laughs> Carl could maybe benefit from that wig that you wore. If you're wondering, it's, it's a part of the larger Rambo canon uh, of work that's out there, and our, yes. and our friend Max uh, portrayed... Uh, uh, Rambo in an, in another movie. It was quite. It was quite. And he might have been mistaken for a terrorist. Exactly. By a, fr- some of the yeah. a, fr- a friend of mine. Yeah. A friend of mine did uh, made a a spoof of Rambo for film school to right? get into film school. Yeah. And uh, and I was the star. Naturally, he picked Matt. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I was the star of it. And I wore a black wig, and had a had a had a headband, and I had a knife strapped to my leg. I had a tank top on, a wife beater, and I had uh, <laughs> camouflage pants and boots, and. Um, People 
saw me and <laughs> thought it was the summer after 9-11 yep. and yep. and before i knew it i had about eight police cars surrounding me <laughs> and i was face down in the grass <laughs> with yeah. guns aimed at me so. <laughs> these are the these are the typical kinds of things that are on I a mean, pca yeah. pastor's resume yeah. mm-hmm. um not I find. so ordinary uh-huh yeah, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> More sensible question, Max. Well, it'd be hard to find a less sensible question than that. Uh, what is the most important thing you learned at seminary, and what's the one thing you didn't learn at seminary that wish you wish you Ooh, had? Good question. I think the most important thing that I learned at seminary was, to be honest with you, this isn't maybe what you're expecting but i think for me i'm expecting church history but I, I, <laughs> I went i went into seminary uh coming from a background and 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 friends where i was maybe one of the quote-unquote top theologians of you know my group this is the kind of terrorist cell that exactly you remember all the time. okay <laughs> yes gotcha yeah you can't expect yeah. much from those guys yeah. <laughs> But uh, some of them can read, I believe. But, uh, <laughs> but I think for me, you actually, Carl, preached um, the opening convocation the the year that I started there, and and it was on Philippians too. And you said, "Have this mind in you that was also in Christ," and that really set the tone for me. That when I get out of here, don't use what I've learned to beat people over the head to win arguments. Um, that was probably because I learned a lot. I mean, I almost can't pick one thing. I went to Westminster Seminary. Carl's church history classes were amazing. Dr. Gaffin's class. I, I had a lot of great classes there. But uh, Both members of my session, a- by the way. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, that's why Cornerstone is the best church in the world. Of course. Of course. <laughs> but, um, but, but really, I think what I learned was humility. I think what I learned was... There are a lot of people a lot smarter than I am. There are a lot of people that, that know a lot more theology than I do. And so I went in knowing less but being more cocky. I mm-hmm. came out knowing more but being more humble. Yeah. And I think that was the number one thing that I learned. I think that the thing that I didn't get as much that I wish I would have, maybe, is um, – I came out of there not really loving the church as much as I think I should. I, I came out knowing a lot of doctrine, but it's been something of, it's a, been a progression where I have fallen more and more in love with the church. And and I'm not sure that seminary can do that. I'm not sure how it could, but but it's, it just wasn't something that I came out focused mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And I've, gr- I'd, I've had to grow in that. Yeah, it's good. Um, well, if you if you live uh, in the western suburbs of Philadelphia, uh, within driving distance of Westchester, you need to stop by Meadowcroft uh, PCA and uh, say hi to uh, to Max. Um, he's a good brother. They've got uh, some wonderful, wonderful people at that church. And Max, we really appreciate you being with us here today. Um, I will say this: it's been it's been great being uh, in Venice. It's been great hanging out with other muscle bound. Uh, people. Um, I was just in a six-pack uh, competition with a group of guys, and that's been great. But I think that was we, a party bomb. Well, yeah, it was, it was awesome. But but we do have to, to run because we were going to take a little bit of time with our with our friend Daryl, but he uh, he got caught up in something. They, they've just freed him from the elliptical machine, and we are 
in our cars now on our way to the to the ER to see if there's anything we can do. But until uh, next time, we will be uh, happy to talk to you. Uh, and so on behalf of my friends, uh, Carl and Amy, and the entire Mortification of Spin team, we're glad you were with us. Check out our website, mortificationofspin.org, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen that exists to foster a reformed awakening in today's church. Head over to mortificationofspin.org now to enter a drawing to win a free copy of Holiness in the Office of the Pastor, an MP3 set from the 2014 Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology. And make sure to catch next week's Bully Pulpit. It's going to be a good one. I think the issue of nominalism, the issue of fellow travelers, the issue of people who are just along for the ride in church is, well, it's a significant one. It's one that all pastors have to address at some level. I would begin, first of all, with the responsibilities of the shepherd. Are we feeding the flock well? Welcome back, Carl. It turns out you were the victim of a practical joke. Don't forget to visit mortificationofspin.org to enter the drawing and hear more from Carl, Amy, and Todd. Hi there, everybody. <laughs> Todd loves his microphone. He loves it. Here, here's, the, here's the part where we speak serious now. <laughs> it's calm, soothing so voice.